Welcome to Time for the Universe On Call. I am Paul Franz, owner of Franz Games. I run SFB Online, Bedcom Online, and Starfleet Warlord. Just remind how it joins me at TalkCast every Thursday night starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can either call on the phone just on 605-562-0444. Just follow the directions. The call ID is 17702. Or you can participate on the web. Just go to Talk's website at www.talkshoe.com. Search for call ID 17702 or Starfleet Universe on call or SFU on call. You should find us there. Or if you want the absolute best experience in your live broadcasts and listening to moi, you can go right to twitch.tv. Yes, twitch.tv. Go to twitch.tv slash SFU on call and you'll find us there. You'll see, start recording around 9.35 and get things started and you'll be able to watch us live and join in the lovely chat room over there. That's always, I think, the best way to view it and listen to this wonderful podcast. Now, of course, this lovely talk cast gets to the podcast available on iTunes, various other feeds around the net and also if you need to contact me for any reason my email address is sfuoncall.gmail.com that's s-f-u-o-n-c-a-l-l at gmail.com also you'll follow me on twitter my account there is paul franz while twitter exists also sfuoncall and franz games f-r-n-z g-m-e-s there's no t in that i'll tell you about that later um, some quick news from ADB. We have the R1 SSD books available in Drive Through RPG and Working Vault and also Warehouse 23. This is announced on the 24th, just a reminder. Um, so it sh- should be there today. Um, of course, it's a reminder that, of course, um, there's many wonderful resources available for free on the Starfleet Games. Website, obviously, the best place to go for that would be go to starfleetgames.com. And I'd say go to the Master Index, and you'll find lots of things really quickly. Um, for that, obviously, when you come to the first page, you can see the variety of games that are currently available at Starfleet Games. You can buy ADB themselves, um, and you can click on one of those. Or if you want to go to the Master Index if, for games... You want additional resources for games that you already have, like Starfleet Battles or Federation Commander or even FNE. They have wonderful, lots of wonderful, wonderful resources. Of course, also they have thing, cool little things like desktop and images or um, backgrounds for your phones, things like that. So, you know, little things that you can have. So you can look at your desktop and just brings you a little joy every single time you look at your desktop. Moving on, one forward to the SFB Online Tournament. The Starfire Star 13 Tournament is over. And congratulations goes to Seth Szymanski. He, his name, that's the call, call, his call sign of Kingzilla. It was the RKR, the Romulan KR, defeated the Hydrogen TLM. So, congratulations to Seth. Um, when it comes to online client stuff, not much going on at the moment. I did work a little bit on um, what it would take to do like a full screen uh, board and I don't think I'm going to be able to do that because of full full screen mode basically means you have to draw everything and I'm not sure I have the ability to basically rewrite the client so I, I'm doing all the drawing all the windowing and that kind of thing it's on that I, I probably leave it at okay you can Max out, just have so it's just the board with a little bit of decoration on the window. I might, I have to check. I think I can have it so that I we can actually have a full screen with no decoration whatsoever. Um, that's the you know where you have the little buttons for closing the window and things like that. That's what's called window decoration. Um, might be able to get it so that we don't have decorations so you can have as much uh, the board can be as basically max but you still have the, the the menu bar that menu bar cannot be gotten rid of without going full screen in which case the windowing operating system no longer works because it's full screen and I don't and I said again I said that I don't think that will work so hot for that moving onward and forward 
to the library report. Frank LeMay has been working on the Gorns. Yes, uh, there have been some updates to the Gorns. Um, he sent me a bunch of Gorns, a bunch of the, most of them, like 80% of them, had, had already been done. So I'm willing to bet that either he redone these or fixed them or whatever. So those have been updated. Also, there were some additional ones that were actually added to it um, you know, that were actually converts, converts that they were missing from the Gorns. Those are done, which is cool. Um, when it comes, so we got some more fixes both for that, also for the Federation, some Federation ships and a couple um, Zinni ships also were also fixed, updated, or added. I'm not, I'm not sure of all those. I did not come up with it with the new numbers. Of course, I haven't been quoting the numbers for a while, so I'm not sure any any of you would actually remember the numbers I previously quoted, which at this point is probably six months ago, if not more about that. When it comes to the FedCom library, um, I still haven't processed the gunboats, and I don't. I think I still need to ask Steve Cole if I, it's okay for me to add them to the library and make them available for people to play. My guess is um, yes, but I don't want to assume. Anyway, with that, that is the news for this week. I'm only all Paul friends welcoming you to Star for the Universe on call. And tonight we have Gary. Hey, Gary. Hello. We've got Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? Good evening. How are you two doing, doing this evening? I'm staying dry. The rain's been spitting on me last half hour here in the truck stop. <laughs> Okay, well, at least you're inside. I'm sure you're. You know, at least it's rain, and at least it. Well, I'm in Colorado. It's it's rain. It's not snow, so I'm counting my blessings. Count your many blessings one by one. Give <laughs> <Can> me <we laughs> think about that song. Uh yes. Now, I have a topic for this evening, which I might I might not get a single word in edgewise. Given we have Gary here. And that is one thing I was actually doing, actually this evening before I started a podcast. And I did I did what I, I said I was going to do last week, and I went and I bought the Tholian Master Starship book because I wanted to read a little more about. I heard there was some more history in it, so I went okay. That's that's by because I, I definitely like to know a little more history of the Tholians. And it does. It does have. It does contain some some history, including, including the the, the ships. Um, read some of the history of, of some of the ships. I didn't read all the ship descriptions because I wanted to mainly get get the history. So, Tholians um, are such a specialized thing. Either you really, really like them or you really, really hate them. The thing is, is that for all of the love-hate on the Tholians, they seem to get better press than the Andromedans do. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> you want to talk about love-hate? Well, yeah, that, that's truly, truly a love-hate relationship. Where either you love them or you, or you despise them beyond all, reasonable, all reason, you know. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that for many, many years uh, prior to the turn of the millennia, it was considered the rite of passage to assault the Three Ring Circus as a battle group event. And until you've had, until you had actually participated in it, you weren't really a real member of the battle group, <laughs> or whatever the cool kids say these days. Oh, uh, you mean the good old Star Castle? The th oh, yeah, oh, three, yeah, three layer cake, sarcasm. The three ring know. circus, uh, the, the three ring circus, the old wedding cake, and occasionally for variety, the buzzsaw. Mm, oh, yes, of course. Which to me, the, the buzzsaw to me makes more sense, really, as a thought, as a total tactic. Because what what is it? Because in the case of the buzzsaw, 
you didn't have to actually send out a ship to reinforce the um, the web. Could you get because what I yes well, that's true you don't and if you're in a border region where you'd have to potentially deal with non-tholian vessels arriving to do business of one variety or another they would need a way to they, they would need a safe passage without uh, without having to ram through three layers of, of web and be yanked through by by the starbase's tractors but um, the so it makes sense in certain situations but the thing is is that i can't remember off the top of my head are tholian auxiliary units uh capable of of, tra of traversing web or are they stuck mm -hmm. like the uh galactic units no i'm pretty sure they they, they have the, the ability to, to pass through the web yeah the so uh, the buzzsaw only really makes sense strategically in a position where you might actually have to allow guests aboard your your uh, your base for whatever reason, otherwise it's uh, a matter of convenience because then you can power the you can keep the web powered from the base itself without having to worry about the middle and outer rings having to be self-supporting and powered. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That, that's why I always thought the buzzsaw was was a better tactic because otherwise what you what you have is you have the um, the the invading fleet all gather into the the, the web because mm -hmm. there's no they can't the the base itself cannot fire its heavy weapons it can fire phasers force but it can't fire its disruptors at the um, at the ships because of the it can't fire through the webs um, and you have well, space the other thing too is that um, in the in the home galaxy, the the Tholians would have plenty of webcasters, so um, that would basically be a very different situation to the whole past ones. Because yes, the home galaxy Tholians also have part of the cannons, but um, they're really kind of more like kind of tertiary weapons compared to the webcaster or even the phaser one or phaser four for the bases and stuff. So um, uh, I guess it's I mean yes, the, the whole past Tholians do get a limited number of webcasters, but nowhere near the kind of um, uh, if unrestricted access that they have back home, they had back home. So um, you almost have like three tiers of um, uh, dynamic in terms of uh, how you're assembling a base and what you're expecting to be able to use in order to defend it. Right. That's one thing I don't remember, which is if you can fire a, a, a webcaster through a web. Well, I assume not, because I'm pretty sure the only thing they can fire through web is um, phasers. Yeah. I think you're right. So, you know, it's not like you can, you know, use the webcasters of the um, the base to reinforce, you know, add additional firewalls. You know, it actually have to be a, a separate... Um, Force, which of course you're not going to have a lone base sitting there by itself. You're going to have and you know, additional um, ships alongside the base because otherwise the base is going to get trounced no matter what, whether it's a Tholian base or not. It's going to get trounced. Well, that's yeah, that's pretty much it. The Tholian bases are harder to crack, but. Um, they go down just like any others if you bring enough if you bring enough compot to the board and and you have enough time and you have enough time because that's mm -hmm. the, that's the one thing which it takes longer to get to that the center the center circle you know inside the, the inner circle of that of a wedding cake if you're using the wedding cake approach uh, because of, you have to get through the, you have to wait for the, the strength of the other webs to, to die down so you actually can push through, you know. And that, that was, that's the whole idea of you'd send out like a web tender away from the base, you know, away from the enemy units if possible. But if the enemy units are all around, then you're, you're kind of screwed to reinforce not to, the outer Yeah, not webs. to mention the fact that the Tholian web tenders always draw fire almost as fast as MRS and SWAC shuttles do. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly, because they know the, what the goal is for, for them, which is plain and simple, which is to go reinforce the web. So, yeah, it's one of those uh, it's one of those uh, uh, tasks that doesn't come with a very long life expectancy in the fleet. That is very true. Very true. Which gets gets us around to obviously the Master Starship book, which was interesting to read about. You know, including things like one um, a couple of things of note, of course, um, which is. Uh, when the Tholians came into the galaxy, into our galaxy, you know, the the refugees from the Tholian will came from the M81 galaxy to our galaxy. They didn't have any freighters. They had no commercial um, ships. You know, nothing for hauling freight. You know, when they first came. So what they did is they would because they, at, at that period of time, you know, Y seventy nine is the is the guesstimate that you know they would um, they would basically capture um, Klingon freighters because they were, they were the biggest and baddest. You know, the early, in the early years, Lord knows that the, um, the patrol ships, uh, patrol corvette, you know, PCs, they were very powerful. For that for that time in history, you know they have four Phaser ones at that time in history, and so they get and the the freighters have no weapons whatsoever. So they get they easily you know um, confiscate you know or capture those those freighters, you know, and so they they used actually Klingon freighters and then they modified them, so. They could actually live on, on you know, and, and actually crew the, the, the freighters themselves. They actually modified part of the the back, you know, where there was cargo space. They converted one little section to for the crew. And anytime that the crew needed to go throughout the ship outside the crew quarters, they actually had to wear encounter suits because of the rest of the freighter was not designed for the high heat environment which the Tholians need to live. And even then, the, my understanding from what, what I was reading is that the Tholian crew wouldn't, it, wouldn't be comfortable. It was livable, but it wasn't comfortable. It was a little colder than they, than they really would prefer, but they could live at, that, at a cooler temperature for, you know, for an extended period of time. Well, yeah, the refugees' choice: take what you can get, or don't survive. Agreed, agreed. And same thing, you know. And I was, and then of course I was reading about the um, the early years. Um, uh, I was gonna say, was it bases? I think it was. See the bases, or it was, um, um, uh, not not paradox. Um, what were they? Ah, crap. There were early base bases and early supply docks. Um, basically, the Klingons came in and attack. Supposedly, in the Great Tholian Klingon Klingon War, they destroyed I think three of these. Including one near Tholia. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the pre. Yeah, because the um, the Tholians had lost the ability to um, build the kind of modern bases that they had back in the home galaxy, so they had to start over. Right. So they um, space docks. Does not samples. Uh, I guess uh, based yeah based on what the um, the Klingons were building at the time. And they used those as a template to build their own ones. Although the main difference is that the Thorians um, were able to install phaser fours on their bases, whereas the Klingons only had phaser ones on theirs. Right, and the uh, and also, of course, the sp- uh, earlier space docks from the Tholians actually had web technology installed. And it, what they did for the for the space docks, they copied 
from um, high from um, studying scans and examining the wreckage of Klingon um, early space docks. That's what they did. And after after the the, the great Klingon Tholian War, the the Tholians put a great effort to upgrade the. They repaired the space docks, but then the one that was closest to Tholia, um, that one was upgraded to a, to a star base real quick. I'm, which is understandable because I'm sure it scared the crap out of them that, that they, the, the capital might have been gone, gone into flames and that might have really caused issues. I'm sure it caused a lot of blue language in a lot of uh, war rooms around the galaxy. Agreed, agreed. Um, I also, I, I read a little bit about the pre-revolt, sorry, pre-conquest campaigns and um, post-conquest re re revolts. They, oh, 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 this one, which I thought was interesting which was the whole issue of technological stagnation due to the Tholian will. And that is that the Tholian will is, was so terrified that somebody would, bu would build up a weapon that would basically con you know, conquer the, the Tholian will or, or, or defeat the Tholian will itself, which, of course... Comes, comes. That the only thing that they, and even even to the even to the point, even to the point, that the Tholian will itself. The the they they themselves would not try to improve the weapons that they had. You know, and no one was allowed to. There there were some reformers in their ranks, in which case they might have some. Um, psychological counseling. Um, it, says, it says here, some data tra translators observed that that quote-unquote psychological counseling was putting it mildly since it appears that the, this counseling could involve surgical intervention into the Tholian's brain. You know, which, which is interesting. In my mind, it's like, what's, what's worse? Have you... That sounds, like, that sounds like the old Russian... The old Russian uh, uh, nine by eighteen millimeter therapeutic device. I understand. <laughs> uh, um, but but it says the only rose that the Tholian will, well, the, well, it says the will. They don't say Tholian will. It's the will, who wanted to advance science for medical and biological, which is, which was deemed by the Thol unlikely to, to endanger its rule. Uh, and then they created. The Saltorians, or they, they they genetically modify the Saltorians, and of course, never thinking that they'd be disloyal to the Tholian will because they were genetically presupposed to um, obey the, the Tholian will. No, they, they will. They're safe. You know, they're they're benign. That they won't. They'll never go against the Tholian will, and of course, like anything else. Nature will find a way, and even though you have these um, Saltorians, which in themselves, um, uh, I'm trying to find out. Um, they themselves um, aren't really weren't curious. Okay, this, oh, there it is. Okay, um, they were not scientifically curious. Is what it says, um, but they still created the web breakers. Now the question is, why did they create the web breakers if they had a scientific curiosity? Now, that, to me, that just goes, goes back to nature finds a way. I.e., there were some aberrations in the gen genetics, which caused some of those Saltorians to question the Tholian will. And we all know what happens when you have a stodgy uh, 
hidebound or in this case uh, uh, vein bound uh, academia which refuses to embrace change uh, change comes and bites you on the uh, after quadrant agreed agreed so to me that, that was interesting because basically and from my understanding from I'm reading through this and all of the subjugated races um, this, this this was monitored tremendously they were monitored greatly by the Tholian by the will to the point where if they found that you had improved anything without um, kind of without prior approval kind of thing that they the what would happen is if a um, I'll say a race because best way I can put it um, we found out that that happened the the leaders would be killed and then there would be a some the where the development was happening would be similar similar sorry sorry some malarial some similarly I'm still not saying that right I don't think um, bombarded and says casualties among unsustainably innocent members of a subjugated race species was a matter of little import to the will while destruction served as an object lesson anytime the will saw fit to implement such measures it was always made a point to announcing the actions with recordings including the execution of planetary leadership which the leadership of all the subjects were required to view so not exactly very flexible thinkers no no and also there were the these subjugated races were also they were allowed to have a certain number of ships including you know ships that could be used for their own protection you know but those the number of ships were was carefully monitored you know and make sure you don't have a single ship more than you're supposed to and that the ships have the the weapons that they're supposed to and nothing more you know anything that might be considered you know a heavier weapon like if you're only supposed to have a phaser three you don't have happen to have one with a phaser two on it you know or a disruptor or something like that that was a little stronger because you know we needed a weapon, but we didn't have any phasers on hand, so we just took a disruptor out of cargo and just put it on the ship just just temporarily, you know, as a temporary measure. You are a numbnut. Yes, I got Kitty, and Kitty is being annoying. Um, and the man Kazan works continue. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Say the very least, the will was ultra paranoid, and for good reason. Though, oh, what was what they mentioned? I'm looking. I can't find it off the top of my head. Can't find it really quickly. But I, but I do remember what it said. Which oh, here it is. I think it is. Uh, no, this is about the the the, the ships. Oh, here, yeah, here it is. Um, and that is, the following will would, would tell the subjugated races where they would they would have to try to colonize a planet. And unfortunately, that the, the Tholians didn't understand non-Tholian needs, which would, you know, and they were terrified also, of, of course, of the, um, okay, Nebulan, ne yeah, Nebulan pirates, and mm -hmm. so they're they're doing the best to make sure. They said, um, okay, when it comes to okay, it should be noted that the will did permit subjugated races to operate some hospital freighters, because of the differences in life support and medical needs made it impractical for such ships to serve both Tholian and non-Tholian needs. Big surprise. 
they were watchful of these the numbers of these ships, lest they give aid to the Nebulan pirates. Some of these ships would would accompany both work convoys to build a new Dyson Sphere and the colonization efforts, but more commonly they were used in reaction to medical emergencies in less developed areas. Um, and the funny part about this was, okay, where is it? Uh, okay, uh, the Tholian, okay, the, the colonists, this is when they were called about colonization, the colonists were often pressed, um, press-ganged from these world, closest worlds, and not given much, indeed, any choice in whether there were to be colonists. More than such few, more than a few such colonies, quote unquote, failed, do the Tholians not fully understand the needs of non Tholian life? But this would not stop the will from simply ordering another attempt. As such, these colonization efforts, much, much like the work convoys, would be accompanied by a small prison transport. <laughs> so, even if the the planet was inhospitable to non-Tholian life, you know, at least that form of non-Tholian life, you know, and what is what the necessary what the needs are for that that um, race, the subjugated race, they'd say, well, try again. Not giving them any more resources, just say try again. <laughs> it's like yikes. Not exactly friendly, and I'm, and not exactly what you would call um, uh, smart in my mind. Uh, and and of well, course, it was clear they needed the. It was clear they needed the the, uh, the subjugated species for something. But it's also clear they didn't trust them. So when you run around and you, on the one hand, you're you're paranoid that your subject your, your subjugated races are going to leave you in the dust, but you still need them. There, this is this is a really good example of how not to treat your subjugated races. Right, and they they felt like it was better to be feared than loved. It's like, yeah, real smart. Yes, it's always well when. When you have the natural stoicism of a rock, comparatively to someone who's a little more squishy, um, <laughs> some things just don't translate. Agreed. Agreed. Um, well, part of the issue is um, the uh, because the in all of in all of known space, um, there's only one other planet. That the Tholians found that was even close to being suitable for them to colonize open air, and even it needs a web-based uh, sun shield to lower the surface temperature by about 100 degrees or so, and so that and actually a few extra trace elements seeded into the atmosphere, so that the Tholians could actually quote unquote breathe, like on that planet, mm -hmm. and uh, so all the rest of the galaxy, either galaxy, rather the M81 galaxy or the Milky Way galaxy. Um, they have to basically either live on their ancestral homeworld or live in domed colonies or like in space installations or they have to build their own spheres. So, and the thing as well is that from a, from a strategic or tactical perspective, it's not necessarily that they have web in and of itself that made them so successful in space. It was the web caster that made them so successful because, um, that basically allowed them to uh, control enemy movements to such a great extent. And also, when you think about it, because a lot of people in the Alpha Octave, they're used to thinking about the Tholians defensively because, you know, the Klingons or, or Andromedans or whatever trying to squish them. But on an off offensively speaking, if you've got webcasters, you can surround, you can lay web around a, a rebellious planet, and the planet can fire its phases through that web. So you're basically able to um, bombard them with impunity, pretty much. But there's only so many times you can do that because um, the Tholians would be, you know, they're over, they're overly successful because of the webcaster, but that makes them overly dependent on them as well because there are so many more um, organic life forms compared to the Tholians themselves that it's like the the scale is, is massively imbalanced. So um, that could also be part of the reason why 
driven, they were driven so much to paranoia and also why they actually tried to um, go the route of contracting and enforcing species. Because the Sultorians were only the most recent species that were recruited, so to speak. Because apparently there's at least three other species before the Sultorians, and each time they were recruited, they'd do the job and then rebel, and then right. they'd be destroyed, and then the next one would be recruited, and so on. But apparently, because like in the discussions on the BBS about the Home Galaxy, it basically suggests just to use the Saltorian ships for those rebels, because they might have even been the same ships, because it's quite possible that the, the Tholians basically had the blueprints for the Saltorian ships on file from the previous enforcers, and when the Saltorians were engineered, they just said, here you go, and that was it. So, um, so it's kind of like um, all these different layers going on. Uh, that might tend to explain it's, it's, why it's the Saltorians have such little crunch power in their designs. No, I think that might... Yeah, they were only ever designed to, like... They were designed to, like, board freighters with the minimum right. number of damage to the freighter itself. Because, like, if you drop right. the shield and you use the shield cracker, you lower the shield, but also the shield cracker interferes with the ability to reinforce it again. And then once you've done that, you can beam over capture the crew, interrogate them for information about rebellion or whatever, or about pirates, and then promptly put the freighter back into service with the minimum of us. So that's really basically the point of the Saltorians, as opposed to, like, they weren't really there to be a, a space superiority force. They were there to be, a, like, a, a janissary force, I guess you would say. Yeah, janissary is a good way to put it. Yeah, and and remember, remember that the the will would not allow the improvement of weapons, whether in, whether it was by Tholians or non-Tholians doesn't matter. Either one could not. They, they were so terrified that the a non someone outside the will would actually somehow. Get the plans for these for this new weapon. They didn't allow even Tholians or non-Tholians to actually create new weapons or improve the current weapons. So the question is, of course, at some point they created the particle cannons and the phasers and all those, and they went, okay, that's good enough. And then then this paranoia set in. And I'm assuming that's because they've been in power for so long. It's like, wait a minute, you know, we're we got we got to keep this up somehow, you know. So they said, okay, well, we got to stop all all uh, improvements to to weapons, including the Tholians. So the the particle cannons might have been better if if they were let, you know, at least at the very least the Tholians to improve those 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 weapons. You know, I'm and I, I'm I'm wondering about. Um, I'm not sure if they considered the the web technology to also be a weapon. In which case, that means if it, if it was considered a weapon, that means th that point there's a point a level of the of that web web technology that they improved upon that they went okay we're, that's good enough. And stopped all, all, all development of it at, at that point. And the question is, how long was that? Was that for? Because the Tholian will was in well, power the, for how many thousands of years? Well, even before the, the Tholians came to power, there was various wars that they fought in order to conquer the galaxy in the first place. So it's likely that um, uh, that many various technologies were in place. Like you can see, because actually one. One theory I was thinking of is that um, maybe the very first enforcer species was actually recruited in the while the Tholians were still conquering the galaxy. Because even if if the Tholians were like say moving in increments, like maybe they got to the point where they controlled half the galaxy, but then the other half was still fighting back, whatever. Mm -hmm. Half the galaxy is still a big a big chunk of space, so it could have maybe it was the the very first pre-Tholians were the ones contracted back then, and maybe they already had shield cracker technology, you know, so it wasn't necessarily the authorities that invented it. Mm -hmm. but maybe they inherited it when they 
contract with these guys. I mean, maybe it's the same for Carbon Cans. I mean, we don't know if the early Estonian ships had those either. I mean, maybe, but anyway, but in any case, it could be that um, basically for as long as the wars were still underway, um, oh. like there was one called the Great Martial War, where the Nebuline and two other major empires fought the Tholians to try to stop them from conquering them. Um, back then, what basically would have been uh, a need to try to uh, maintain some degree of research. But then, once the once the, the the war was over and the galaxy was conquered, then the remaining nebulae were too scattered um, to be a, a major threat. And then, I guess, the issue would have been like the main concerns would have been either rebellion from the subjugated planets, or more likely rebellion from the enforcer species, because the enforcers were the ones that had. Um, and the weapons. Actual ships to turn <laughs> but, yeah. but as long as the Tholians had web, web uh, both webcasters and web generators, they had the, the edge. So um, it was kind of, yeah, it was like a bunch of different things going on. But I'd say that um, uh, they reached the until, plateau, I guess. Oh, yeah, until you have a genuine threat piercing your technological advantage most militaries don't innovate. And the longer that advantage persists in a vacuum, vacuum, the the worse that entrenched stagnation of technology tends to become. Is it any wonder that when the will made it to the alpha octant, that their ability to produce their own arms was very limited? Yep. And and for years, years, they they couldn't create more advanced ships. You know, becomes that they basically had to take the the, P, the PC forms and put them together to make larger ships. You know, weld them together yeah. to make larger ships, which is interesting. It tells you at the very least they had some some engineering ability because of you have to okay you can okay you can weld two of those tools together but then you have to have the systems working together to perform as a single ship you know which mm-hmm. means you have to have some engineers that actually could figure that out you know yeah the integration process is never easy. Mm-hmm. Nor cheap. Agreed. I just just ask well, the Grumman Corporation. Well that, uh, part of the problem was that um, uh, for the first hundred years after the, the sphere arrived in, in the Milky Way, the amount of damage caused by the galactic barrier crossing was so severe that all the brightest minds were diverted just to keep the sphere like being you know falling apart. So. Like there was like ongoing uh, reconstruction and uh, efforts, both to repair damaged parts of the sphere and also to maintain the um, integrity because um, to make sure that the like the artificial star at the heart of the sphere wasn't uh, overly destabilized. So it's like, um, and they actually say in in the Monster Starship book that's the reason why uh, Tholians uh, historically can't have legendary engineers before Y one eighty because. Anyone who was that smart in in the whole past was too important to to put on the starship. They had to be used to keep the sphere going. So, um, uh, and also, there's also mentioned as well that um, because of the chaotic nature of the evacuation, a lot of the people who were on board the sphere when it was departing in 81, there were people who could basically afford to go or who could like leverage their political capital to go or as much of it as still remained. So a lot of the, maybe the people who would have been more expert in terms of, um, you know, research and stuff, whatever, they either were left behind or maybe they died uh, during the crossing across the barrier. Um, Or, you know, they were never there in the first place because um, um, the ships, most of the ships, uh, very few of the ships that came with the sphere were military ships. Most of them were police ships. So uh, the Sony police, even in the home galaxy, was more resource start compared to the Navy. So, um, yeah, so basically, I guess they were trying to make do with what they had. But, um, 
Yeah, so it, it does seem that, um, I mean, the main holdback is, is logistical uh, nowadays because um, they, they are able to, you know, once their minds are put to it, they are able to innovate and keep pace, especially once the Neo showed up. Um, but it's just because they lost the practice of it back in the Hong Galaxy because um, the, they didn't need it as much. Or they felt like they didn't need it as much. But yeah, it's very interesting to compare it to um, how some of the empires in other parts of the universe operate because um, there aren't many uh, comparisons where the, the ruling species is so different biologically to its subject species. Um, like in Omega, for example, there's the Troburn Empire. The Troburn are silicate life forms, but they don't seem to be quite so limited as the Tholi in terms of what environments they cannot survive in. So even if the, the Troburn build a large empire and have a bunch of uh, planets with carbon-based life forms living on them as their subjects, they're, they don't trust them either, but they're not necessarily panicking about it in the same way. Mm. So, like, I guess they're more confident in themselves in terms of their ability to grow their population and uh, establish the colonies that they need in order to keep the empire running. So they're not quite as, you know, overtly paranoid as the Tholians were in that sort of situation. Agreed. Yeah, because overall, if you think about it, it's... The... Okay, I understand that the, the Tholians... Um, concern about you know this, one of the subjugated races to rise up and and being stronger than the will itself um, because of course they had history of their enforcers doing this, exactly that it's like who says you know not, a, a different um, uh, race can wouldn't do the same thing if we let them um, versus you know basically. Um, using the, having the will as purely economic and a whole idea of you know you, you can you can design it whatever you want you know if you need additional weapons that's fine you know and help um, encourage you know technological advancements you know whether whether it is for weapons or for um, or for just transportation or or for medical or um, um, biological or what, whatever those improvements that could possibly make and just make sure that okay just make be like Rome and say just make sure you pay your taxes you know and, and we're happy you know that kind of thing which which might might have worked out better for them not sure you know they might get, might have the whole problem with Rome, which is you know, at some point Rome even Rome fell, <laughs> you know. So, in any case, yeah. Well, part of the issue as well is like, um, like any time a Tholian encounters another being, um, it's while the Tholian is in an encounter suit, so it's like um, the atmospheric conditions are so dramatically different. That, uh, like it's not like, for example, like the, in the Klingon Empire, the Klingons can breathe the same air that most of their subjects can, um, except like they can't they can't go around in Budar space uh, without a, a, a radiation suit because the high radiation that the Budar homeworld has. But most of their other planets, the Klingons can walk on, and you know, so I guess they don't necessarily treat them as equals, but they can still get like. A certain degree of, um, I don't know if empathy is the right word, but understanding in terms of like putting themselves in the, in the mindset these other beings and stuff, like even if it's only to figure out how to rule them. And also, the Klingons learned from the old kings because the old kings basically treated the Klingons the way the Klingons treat you know, other species. So there was basically like a framework that the Klingons had in place that they passed on to their own empire. But the likes of the Tholians, they, they can't do that. So they, there's always going to be, uh, I guess, psychological barrier between right. them and any uh, organic life form that's uh, under their control. Oh, agreed, agreed. Um, Although in fairness, if you think about it, the, the Hydrants have the same thing, because the Hydrants 
are mm-hmm. too cold to live on a, a regular like Earth-like planet. But they seem to have a better track record in terms of uh, treating their um, uh, oxygen-nitrogen planet uh, subjects like better. They generally give them better living conditions and integrate them closer into the economy and so on. But um, part of the issue there is because the hydrants themselves uplifted into space. Like uh, there was a, a, a precursor being, being called the Spirit Kings who gave the hydrants warp technology. So that might have itself been a thing where the, the hydrants were basically thinking, um, you know, uh, being into space equals working together with other beings, you know. So it's maybe it's like less of a an issue for them, uh, uh, culturally speaking. Hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the the one thing that I was I was thinking of is given that the Tholians were, geez, I almost want to say inorganic because of you know. They, you know, they didn't have skin. You know, they were made of basically rocks, for the most part. You know, um, they would have a crust. More they would act kind of like a skin. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not sure how how they. More crystally, because um, if you have the, do you have a copy of the away team log? No. Because um, that basically has a, um, a collection of articles from different capitals logs, and one of them is like a, a prime directive-esque description, mm-hmm. and it gives you kind of an overview, about, biologically speaking, about what the Tholians are as beings, and what they're made of, and um, how they comport themselves, and so on. Like, for example, um, in the Starfleet universe, there had been various um, subspecies of Tholian back on the home planet which different forms. But like one of them, for example, had kind of like spider-like legs. So maybe that's too much like that. Because in the franchise, in the, in the, in the post-1979 on-screen franchise, the Thalians are kind of like crystal spider people. But in the Starfleet universe, the majority Thalians, so the ones that exist today, they're actually, they don't even walk. Like they have some sort of like gravimetric system in the, the pillar of their bodies. So they float above the ground. Mm-hmm. So if you see like a deck plan, that's also in a waiting log. They literally like the, the decks. The decks are basically designed. Like say for example, if you've got a Tholian patrol corvette, the corvette wings are two decks thick, but they're not above and below. The deck floor, so to speak, is on the outside of the ship, and so if the Tholian floats its way down the corridor, and then wants to go to the lo- the other deck. There's like a uh, half pipe, so to speak, where the deck space, the Tholian does kind of like a loop-de-loop. And so on the other side of the ship, it's still facing down and out. So if like two Tholians are on opposite decks, their heads are facing each other through the deck wall, to the, to the, to the ceiling, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's another thing, too, because um, like to them... Other beings are literally, like they're literally below them, in the sense that they're they're forced to kind of crawl out on the ground, like 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 the, you know, the primitive beings, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that is that is probably another thing that's kind of playing into their their sense of self. Understood. Yeah, but I I guess the the, the one thing I was the thing I was trying to point out. Is that because other? I mean, it's the things with like the hydrants and other races. Yeah, you know they they have to breathe different. Um, they use breathe methane instead of breathing um, oxygen. You know, um, they have some other um, environmental uh, differences, but. Um, in my mind, their thought processes are very much the same or similar, at least more more similar than I would think that if 
you have a race of beings made out of inorganic material. In which case, you know, what might, you know, hurt, you know, one won't hurt the other, you know. Uh, I, hope, I, hope, I hope I'm getting that across right. <laughs> um, I think that's the way the thinking must have been so drastically different. Um, because of that, I think the felonies themselves are more, um, not, not more willing, more, um, it's, it's easier, not easier, but um, more likely for them to feel detached from the subjugated races that they're, that they're dealing with because they're so different from themselves and therefore they don't, they'll have no clue on the way they're thinking. Lack of empathy. Right. Lack of... Lack, and, and not, lack of cross-species empathy specifically. Mm -hmm. They're so, they're, they're so different. They're so alien that it's just beyond their ability to uh, bridge the gap. Agreed. Agreed. And I, th I think I think that's that because of that lack of empathy, that's what really caused them to be paranoid. And therefore, um, you know, was the downfall, basically, because they couldn't be that empathetic. And I'm not sure there was anything that could be done about that overall. You know, probably not. And I'm sure, you know, the whole idea of them being a subjugated race themselves. You know, it's, and then at that point, it's, it seems like since they're so different from everybody else, I would at that point, you can't imagine anyone else being empathetic to them. You know, and it's like, well, it's either we're top dog or we're, or we're nothing at that point, you know? Well, not to mention the fact that the most paranoid person about being stolen from is a thief. When you successfully throw off the chains in uh, imprisoning your species to a higher power and, and supplant it, um, there's a lot of racial paranoia that goes around saying, we know how to do this. We're seeing it done to us. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Well, I think with that, we will wrap it up for this evening. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure discussing all things Tholian <laughs> tonight. <laughs> uh, Gary, you have a good night. If they ever release those Tholian matches characters, so we could have the opposite side of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, before before I, I, I log out, log off for everybody who's listening live and doesn't actually listen to the podcast or doesn't watch the video after the fact. Next week, I will not be here. So we're not going to have a podcast next week. This is going to be the first week in May. I think it's May 4th, if I call correctly. That makes sense. May the 4th be with you. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I won't, I won't be available for that day. That would have been a great day. Um, but uh, but uh, the week after that, we'll be doing it. So I think May 11th is, is the next uh, podcast. So just, just to let you know, heads up about that. So, so don't, don't try to log in next week. Okay, well, Gary, it's always a pleasure having you around. You have a good night. Have a good night, everyone. Okay. Jeff, I'm glad you're feeling better. <laughs> Thank you. And again, thank you for your for your hint when it comes to using dental cleaner to get rid of the um, coffee smell out of this, which was. You're quite welcome. Yep. Great, great, uh, great trick. Um, and good night, everybody. Okay, you too. You stay safe out there. I'll do that. Okay, great. Okay. So. 
had a nice little discussion about the Tholians and the Tholian will. Um, I, to be honest, when Barry, sorry, Gary, not Barry, Gary, sorry, um, about when the, the, the legendary engineers, you know, what happened when the Tholians entered the galaxy, I missed that section, to be honest. I missed that section of the text. So I apologize. I, I missed that section in, in reading that. I, it, it's in the middle of all of the ships and so forth. So that's why I was scrolling and I missed that section. So anyway, so with that, I am Paul Franz. I bid you a good night.